Hello, and welcome to the Weekend Spread Pac-12 Preview. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. With me, as always, joining on this one, we've got Ty Lee and Boaten Blake. And folks, uh, not a lot of news in the Pac-12 out there. You know, we've been relatively quiet, uh, obviously. Um, but, uh, you know, as usual, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, the conference is on fire. Uh, not only are they losing USC and UCLA, as we thought, but uh, Colorado is jumping ship. And that might just be the tip of the iceberg. Um, and Blake, as as you can as we all can see, massive defender of the shield, been 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 all in on this for a long time. Uh, I got to ask you, how does it feel to uh, watch the Pac-12, who looked down upon the Big 12 for so long, uh, kind of get their comeuppance here? Um, it is probably the most enjoyable feeling, and really just going through the conferences, this is the one I enjoy burning the most. Um, like, although I hate the Big Ten and the SEC, I see why they get their money, they get their following, because people actually are showing up to the games, for the most part, like, uh, the Big Ten may be a little suspect, but we know the SEC, they bring the heat, they bring the fandom, so at least, like, at the end of the day, they're a net positive to college football in that sense. But the Pac-12 has, for years, been a failing league. Um, this is a conference that has had multiple chances to expand. Uh, there was an article passed around back, I believe, in 2010, like, 2011, that there was a chance that they could have added OU in Texas. They did not seek to expand uh, and get them. They had a chance whenever OU and Texas jumped to the SEC to completely raid the Big 12 of the remaining assets and basically submit themselves as the third best conference uh, going forward. Still didn't do that. And then even when USC and UCLA uh, left, they just stood pat. They were like, our media deal is coming. We are a smart league. The, the, the one thing you have to know about the Pac-12, they are pompous. They love their academics. And they like to remind you of that. And they, be they believe because of those academic brands and that really, that regional integrity, they were going to get a deal. But Brett Yormark did the smartest thing ever, jumped them, got the deal done, and Pac-12 is now in the desert. I call this the uh, Infinity War in-game scenario. There is one way in which they can save this conference, and only one, and that is to keep the remaining nine, add at least one to three more teams, and still make less than the Big 12. That is the only way they're staying together. If Arizona leaves, this this conference topples. If Oregon or Washington leave to the Big 12 or the Big 10, which is looking more likely today, this conference is gone. If honestly, I what I was surprised is the Big Ten considering Stanford and Cal, two of the worst Pac-12 programs. I know the Big Ten kind of likes their academic integrity and their identity, but Stanford is not trending well right now. They're kind of in the Northwestern situation. I thought they were honestly going to go independent. They have two ways to get out of this conference. This conference will go under. There's just no way this conference just remains afloat, and it's all their fault. It is everything to deal with George Klyovkov and uh, Larry Scott before them. They are dumb. They are very, very dumb people for an academic conference that says they have the smartest schools in it. They are very, very dumb to not see that the Big 12 was not going to sit idly by while teams are leaving. They're going to try to fill the void of the third-best conference. This, this conference is done their media deal is not it's like basically the pac-12 network on steroids but you have a worst floor and you're not going to hit your subscribers so 
This conference is might as well dead. Take the victory lap. I'll cede the floor to Ty now. Yeah, Ty, a uh, recent West uh, West Coast inhabitant, I guess, uh, at least in that time frame. Uh, you immediately move, and then all of the schools that you, uh, you know, as an Arizona man, you know, Arizona, Arizona State look to be potentially making the jump. Uh, what What's going on here? Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know if I would say West Coast. Uh, I have not seen water since, like, June, but... Uh... Yeah, I guess I'm out on the western side of the U.S. I don't know. It's, I mean, it's. I think Blake touched on it, but it's just it's nothing more than just inept management. Like you said, they were just so pompous, but they have the product, like the football product. If we're talking about, oh, are they constantly competing for national championships? No, not necessarily. But the product was there. It was entertaining. They had fan bases. They had viewership. Like Pac-12 after dark. Any like big college football fan, they really had a good niche going that really could have been exploited had they had competent leadership at the helm. I mean, I don't understand how they weren't proactively pushing this whole Pac-12 after dark. They were never going to be able to compete just because of the the alumni base size, you know, with the Big Ten or just the passion within the Big Ten and then also the SEC. They were never going to be able to get to that tier, but they already had their little niche of, oh, we hold ourselves to a higher academic standard and and whether that's true or not, I don't know if you can make that argument when Arizona State is in your conference, but you know they, they make that argument, and then they had a perfect time block where they weren't having to compete with everyone. They could have a big marquee matchup during the day, but they would scoop up all those people who went to that 11 a.m. OU kickoff and then went out for dinner and everything else, and now they're sitting at home and they want to watch some more college football. They had just a product that was handed to them, and then, like Blake said, when the Big 12 started to, to get wobbly and and was close to getting knocked out. The Pac-12 was just over in their corner celebrating and making no moves to throw the knockout punch. And I really think when you look at college football, there's this arrogance with uh, a lot of these Power 5 teams right now who are on the verge of having no conference and still refusing to take on group of five teams. And I think you look at the Big 12, the Big 12 you know, was backed into a corner as well, but they swallowed the pride. They aggressively went after because they were the only ones doing it the best group of five teams that were out there to get scooped up uh, into a conference, they scooped them up. And now look what's that, that is causing. They've scooped up these teams. They've shown, you know, upward momentum. And now they're about to scoop up their choice of power five teams. And the pack is still just holding on to this, you know, we're too good to add anyone and they're going to go down with the ship. Yeah. I mean, it's an addition of, they, they passed up on the likes of TCU, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma State, turned up their nose on them, and now they're going to have to be, like, scrapping in, um, you know, San Diego State and UNLV, all of these just kind of bottom feeder Mountain West teams to be, like, kind of a Mountain West plus. Like, in, in addition to that mistake, uh, the mistakes they had in the uh, early 2010s of not adding in OU and Texas and um, – also Texas A&M, Oklahoma State, uh, passing up on them. Massive, massive mistake. Uh, huge failure on that end. And ultimately, it's it's just the, the, the amount of national college writers you'll see and national people who are shedding crocodile tears for the Pac-12 and how bad it is to not have a West Coast conference, you know, um, they did this to themselves. This isn't like 
they had multiple chances to change this to be a proper college football pod uh, um uh conference podcast podcast but hey look at this point they'll probably be airing their games over pod like over podcast you know just uploading the audio to anchor and that's about it but um i mean they had every chance and they at every chance they basically decided that the teams that they needed to add were not, were not worth it because they were above them. And when you're above college football and you act like foot college football doesn't matter, the teams that matter in your conference will leave. They will leave you behind. When you, when you act like athletics do not matter, athletics will leave you behind. That's just a part of it. You need to have a blend or else you're the Ivy league. And to me, it, it just, it, it sucks, but I don't, I think they have no one to blame but themselves. This isn't a situation like the Big 12 where, you know, one, you know, one organization got rowdy and, you know, everyone wanted to leave or, you know, they got poached or it, it's it's really just a collective group of snobby idiots who couldn't come together and make the right deal. People forget they had the Big 12 deal ready to go. The same deal that stabilized the Big 12 was on their desk and they turned it down because it wasn't enough money because they wanted SEC and Big 10 money. Yep. The Pac-12 isn't either of those things. And they're about to be lesser than the Big 12. They're about to be a, a souped up version of the American, honestly. So <laughs> uh, they they kind of got what was coming to them. But what what happens to them next if they somehow keep this thing together? Uh, I don't know. It, it really, they really don't have any agency on this because if like, if the big 10 goes and sucks up, you know, Washington and Oregon, and then, um, you know, the Arizona schools, you know, and Utah leave the big 12, you just have what Cal Stanford, Oregon state, Washington state. What do you do with that? You can't, yeah, like I mean, you go ahead, Ty. You go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, it, it, I don't know what you you could do as as the pack. I mean, it's they're gonna have to reach their breaking point, right? Like the everyone knows where this is going. It's either the conference is gonna collapse and they're gonna be done, or they're gonna have to swallow their pride and add someone new. And I just don't understand. Like it's very obvious where the situation is going because I I believe that the Pac twelve as an entity will not collapse as in, as in the organization. I think that they're about to get absolutely poached by everyone else. And then they're going to have to swallow their pride and absorb some group of five people. But I, I don't know. I did want to say real quick, like the, the thing with the pack is the decision points that a lot of these schools are already making. I was thinking about today is it's regional, but you got to think about like the Western U S I know I was talking to you two about this earlier today, but if you're talking about the university of Arizona, playing the University of Washington in something, that is legitimately a 24-hour drive. So it's like it, a lot of these schools are already looking at a situation where they're already basically not in a regional conference. So if I'm Washington, you know, I'm looking at, oh, I can stay. Oh, it's going to take forever to get to Ohio State. It already takes forever to get to most of the people that they're playing. So I just don't, I don't see how this is going to, this is going to be avoided for the pack. I think they're going to get absolutely raided in the coming week. 
Yep, and, like, really, they have no life vest out there. Like, even if you're looking at the options, it's, like, your options for the Pac-12 now is, like, okay, let's just go down and raid. Like, they maybe they swallow their pride, start taking in some lesser academic schools and just go raid the Mountain West if you want to keep regionality. But, like, the problem with adding Mountain West teams is they can't join till 2025 without paying $34 million a piece, which is, like, something, pa- like like Mountain West schools can pay, like can't pay. And then Pac-12 schools on top of it, like they're making no money from their media deals. So why would they agree to add these schools and pay off those costs? It's like we saw it with San Diego State. Like the key kicker with all this was, I think the Pac-12 probably saw the writing on the wall a few months ago and tried to add teams, but it was just enough people were thinking like, one foot in one foot out of this conference it just denied their ability to expand and it was like because they tried to expand so late you i can't believe i'm saying this you screwed over san diego city university like basically told them like you're kind of our top choice like get ready but they couldn't add them so it now just lost they lost a whole bunch of money trying to do that little maneuver they're stuck in the mountain west and they can't leave till 2025 because they have to give a year's notice or to pay like the seven million dollars or like the ten million dollars however much it is to lead the mountain west so really your only option right now is to add smu and like is smu really gonna buoy this program no it's like you're not gonna add too many american teams like the new american consists of like if you're looking at texas which is the most western region in that conference you're looking at utsa you're looking at uh no texas states and stuff but like there's not much there to buoy this and it's just like it's a little too late it's like like they're not gonna get the votes to expand (laughs) killing yourselves over academics and then being forced to add texas state would just be amazing well you know what yeah. they say uh you know san marcus is basically just the napa valley of uh of texas so i just no one says that i'm kidding yeah. i just i i don't get how they prided themselves so much on academics i know it's like research and the aau stuff and yada 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 but like you have cal and stanford yes and usc and ucla but once you get out of the state of california like oregon oregon state wazoo uh arizona arizona state colorado utah like they're just other universities like if you're not one of the top 20 universities you're probably just like another university and there's nothing wrong with that bobby was so correct that when you take your eyes on these decisions are being made solely for your value in football and athletics and if you don't do that besides maybe the big 10 with their kind of weird fetish of aau and having like the most like i guess just add more fodder to that conference it's it's just the dumbest thing ever it's so stupid i have a quick programming note uh so the the largest pac-12 university i or not the largest but i think i'm like 99 percent sure i might be completely off here you guys can correct me on this i'm sure someone's listening so comparing OU to the University of Oregon, I think they're both pretty similar in student body size. No, Are OU's you saying the largest bigger. university in the Pac-12? No, the largest, the Pac-12 has some uh, massive universities. Anyways, what yeah, I was going to say I, is like, I, I don't have time to look up all of them, but like Oregon's acceptance rate is 85%, which is higher than OU's, I will add. And it's just, it's it still doesn't make sense to me. This, It's not, they're not playing academics, you know, as much as they want to argue that they are. And then, like, you're going to pass up not to pander to Blake because Blake went to Baylor, so this isn't pandering to him anyways, but to pass up on TCU because 
you think you're an academic conference. And then again, not to continue to harp on Arizona state, but you have, you have Arizona state in your conference and you're going to sit here and say that TCU is not academically inclined enough to be added to your conference. Just doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Yeah. And I, I think that's, I think it's goes beyond academics. I think it goes towards culture and how they look at this region of the United States. Um, how people in California and Oregon and really, well, Arizona even, how they yeah. look down. I think they look down on Texans. I think they look down on Oklahomans. The way and that people, I, the way that people in California look at Texas is through Zillow as they find <laughs> another home to pay 50% above market for. Oh my God. Well, and, and I think, I think that's kind of the thing is I, I don't think they, I don't think they see it as a, as a cultural peer. I think they see that culture as a, as a step down more than anything. Um, but whatever they, their, their, their conference is dying. So, uh, I do want to say, I do want to say Blake, before we move on to actual football conversation, Colorado is going to the big 12. Uh, what are you, you were at, um, you were, you were at Folsom field last year for TCU, Colorado. You've seen that experience, uh, you know, right up front. What are your thoughts on the buffs joining the big 12? And uh, yeah, are you, are you excited? Yeah, no, I am absolutely pumped. Uh, the, even though like, I don't think Colorado like passed the Deion Sanders like experiment, whether good or bad, like, I don't think they're going to be some football powerhouse, but it is a key stop really any season. Like I don't mind. Like I want to go to a snowy game. Like I, that doesn't bother me. Like I've always wanted to experience that. It's just perfect. It's the, the stadium itself, not nice, but the views are incredible. The campus is awesome. It gives like an ultimate kind of destination in the big 12, where I think is somewhat lacking in destinations per se. Like I think one of the more popular ones right now is Orlando and I'm not a super big Orlando guy. Uh, so it adds a destination that you're always like, whenever your team plays, you're going to go travel. And I just think it's, it's such a good fit. Like it really is. It's like, they were originally in the big 12. They're used to like, I just feel like it just didn't, I, I just feel like there's such a good fit in this conference. And I know people were bashing it. They're like, why did you go after Colorado when you could have gone after other PAC 12 powers first? They were the one willing to flirt the most. They were the one willing to leave the most. Like, we're probably not having this conversation for a while if Colorado doesn't leave. Like, you need to pull one of those teams, and I'm happy it's them because that game was awesome. The atmosphere, whenever they – like, it was a packed crowd last year because it was, like, the first game of the year before they were, like, like horrible the entire year. So it's, like, the passion's there. Dion being there makes it even more enticing – I'm just like, I want TCU to have like an annual, just like it's the home and home. Like we're con they're constantly on our schedule. Like I'm praying for that because it's just such an awesome ad from like a fan perspective. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree. I I'm jealous that y'all get to play Colorado a lot because not because of their football talent. They've only had, I believe two seasons over 500 in the pac 12. And one of them was the COVID year. So not a lot of uh, success in uh, out West for, for the Buffaloes. But man, Boulder would have been just such a cool trip. And I know there are countless generations of Oklahomans who uh, got Colorado every other year, you know, had got to go to Boulder. That's pretty damn cool. So uh, a homecoming for the buffs for sure. Uh, Ty, I feel like you've always been pretty fond of uh, Colorado. What are your thoughts on the move? Yeah. 
Yeah, I wish they would have been in the Big 12 when we were there. I mean, I we kind of had touched on this discussion, but wish the Big 12 would have been making these moves before we moved. I, I don't think that the Big 12 would have lost Oklahoma and Texas, but I think at the same time, just wasn't possible with OU and Texas there. And uh, you kind of had to trigger that mania that, that was triggered. And a lot of things have lined up. I think with Colorado, I think Colorado approached the Big 12 before the Big 12 really even solicited Colorado, I think they're just trying to revamp absolutely everything. And, and that was a, a natural move that made sense. I'm honestly kind of surprised they didn't actually go the the Big Ten route, but I guess maybe they wouldn't be bringing enough enough revenue to entice the Big Ten or, or something. I'm not entirely sure. I know the Big Ten had a big academic thing that they try to claim as well, in spite of also adding Nebraska. But yeah, I think I think it's a tremendous ad for the Big 12. Like you Blake kind of touched on you're building some really cool destinations to, to travel to. And I think I, I made the argument uh, in our text potentially, I don't know if I did, I intended to, but the, the big 12 is sneaking up there for some of the most beautiful campuses and, and destinations. I mean, West Virginia, say what you want about it. It's a beautiful campus, Colorado, EYU, say what you want about it. It's a beautiful campus. Orlando, you know, I'm not a big Central Florida or necessarily Orlando person either, but that's a massive, you know, vacation spot. You can make a, a great little extended weekend out of going to a game there or something if you're traveling. There's just a lot of neat stuff being built, and it's it's pretty cool to see the Big 12 make those moves and not collapse. Yeah, and I, I am really happy that the Big 12 did figure this out and make moves, and even though I have teased Brett Yormark uh, a time or two, some of some of the things he does are a bit cringy. You know, the Bape and uh, you know DJ Diesel, all of that it just doesn't hit for me. But I, I feel like what he did, what he did with the TV deal, bringing in Colorado, which I mean, with the Dion thing, one hundred percent perfect. That guy is just, has to just be thrilled about having Dion Sanders in his conference. Um, even though some of the, the things he does are, are corny, he, he's led them to uh, a position where I think they're clearly the third best conference in college football uh, and one that I am very excited to watch in the future for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, looking forward to seeing what the buffs do back home uh, in the big 12. All right, let's move on to some actual football talk, guys. I always love talking realignment, but we do have a conference to preview here and we're going to start off with um not the defending champs of the Pac-12, uh, and a team that didn't win a New Year's Six game, but a team that many are projecting to make a leap, win the Pac-12, and uh, potentially make the playoff. It's the USC Trojans. Uh, last year, go went eleven and three, uh, eight and six against the spread, and their win total is currently set at ten. We'll get into that discussion later. But I think overall, if we're talking about big storylines, first being obviously uh pack 12 melting down second has to, if we're talking about football storylines the first one has to be the usc trojans are they are they going to make the leap into the college football playoff under lincoln riley uh caleb williams back for a second season uh with the trojans uh second and final you would have to think uh chasing another heisman trophy it, it seems teed up for a big year for usc uh Obviously, I'm a bit biased about this, and we'll get to that. But I want to hear from Blake, a uh, truly non-biased source here. What do you think of uh, the Trojans this year? Do you think they finally make the uh, college football playoff? I don't think they make the playoff. I think they'll be really good uh, in the Pac-12. But I think 
they are going to miss the playoff. And it's just the funniest thing. It's like now that we're actually talking about the football aspect and moving from realignment, the Pac-12 is an awesome conference this year. Like their top five or six are like incredibly fun, incredibly close. Like if you're going to rank these teams, like there's like their top five or six are fantastic and like they're gonna lead to some incredible games so watch the final year the pac-12 just have some of the best play because there's really about four or five maybe even six teams that can win this conference but the reason why i'm out on usc and like i think they make the championship game in vegas but i don't think they make the playoff there's just a few things that scare me i think the offense is going to be there. Like, I think Lincoln Riley, he's always going to throw out a competitive offense. Caleb Williams, especially being your quarterback, back for another year, a Heisman winner. Like, that's going to breed results. And they have good running back room, pretty good offensive line, great receivers, just reloaded there. Like, they have every offensive weapon. But like many of the OU teams that I saw under Lincoln Riley, it's all about the defense. It's like they they didn't have a good defense last year. They lost a lot of people on that defense and they added through the portal, but it's just like, it's unproven. And I just think Alex Grinch's system is not what they should be looking for out there. And I understand why Lincoln Riley brings him in because West coast, California, you're not going to get your big D tackles, your defensive ends, your, you like your key difference makers on the line of scrimmage out there anymore. It's just not a thing. Uh, so you need something a little bit quicker, a little bit smaller, like have to rely on scheme a little bit more than pure physicality, but it just goes too far. He tries to generate too many turnovers and turnovers are so variable, even when you're running a defense that is like trying to generate them. I think that on top of your schedule last year, you didn't have to play Washington and Oregon during the, uh, like in during the conference season. Now you do. So that's two extra hard games that you're having play. And then I just like the Utah problem. Like, I don't think Utah wins the pac 12 again this year, but they're the thorn in their side. They just, they're so physical in the exact opposite of what USC is that it's just like, I feel like that's the one team that will always have USC's number. Granted, this is the last year that they'll have them. They'll be gone, but like kind of a spooky thing for USC going to a conference like the big 10 and like a Michigan, a Penn state that plays a very physical side style of ball when Utah just ran all over them last year. Yeah, and we'll we'll get deeper into the uh to, to their schedule because I think that's a really deep, really solid conversation. They do have Utah in um in LA this year, but you're right; they're moving to a conference full of Utahs. What are we? What how are they going to handle that? I don't know. We'll see how that goes. Uh, but Ty, what are your thoughts on the Trojans this season? Yeah, Utah is just their Iowa State. That's a, like it's if they're I think they're a little better than Iowa State, but like look at Lincoln Riley at OU versus. Uh, you know, Pete, whatever his name is, Campbell at that Iowa State. And uh, just I forget his name. Um, but yeah, it's that same, just build a fundamental larger than average team. They might not have as many stars as, as you guys, but they're just going to do the basics pretty well and give you a chance to lose to them if you screw up. I, I think it's a perfect analogy. With all that being said, I think so much of college football nowadays is there's just so much marketing that goes into it and Blake touched on it. I think the Pac-12 is going to be one of the most exciting conferences to watch this next year. I think from the off-season point of view where we're at right now, it really could go five maybe even six ways like we just talked about 
But I think that's brilliant marketing for a USC team that I think will end up being the best team in the conference, whether that pans out in the championship game or not, or whether they make it there, I don't know. But I think USC is the best team. I think they're probably the best coach team. Caleb Williams is without a doubt the best player in the Pac-12. So I think that USC has everything going for them. And I think it helps them that everyone's having these discussions of, oh, it could go either way. Because then when the committee or whoever else is looking at you, they're not saying, oh, this was a pushover conference that was crumbling. They're saying this one could have gone either way. And that's bolstered by, you know, massive quarterback battle, Caleb Williams versus Bo Nix, Caleb Williams versus, you know, Michael Penix Jr., like Caleb Williams versus all of these big name quarterbacks that have been in college football for so long that are currently playing in the Pac-12. I think it's just very marketable games, which again, to tie into my last point as I close or to tie into one of my first points here as I close this little segment, it's just the product is there. This is one of the best products in terms of entertaining games and marketable games in college football this year. It's insane that this was fumbled by the management and not turned into just a massive cash cow. I, I don't understand how they didn't land a massive uh, you know, streaming or whatever deal with all of this product that they have. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of that is losing the LA MS, MSA. You know, that's obviously just enormous and kind of guts you entirely. Um, but to, to, to get into USC this season, you know, I, I think back to last year. And you, you, you focus on Utah, which is fair because they're, they beat them twice. But you, you look at the rest of the schedule, and they had a breeze, really, outside, like outside of Utah. Utah gave them fits. Um, solid team went to the Rose Bowl four loss team. Um, outside of that, who did they play? They went on the road to Oregon State, very solid team. I like them a lot. Uh, squeaked out a win. Uh, you go to UCLA, and what's basically that's 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 an OU Texas 50 50 squeak out a win. You beat Notre Dame, so those are probably the three teams outside of Utah that they had to play that were tough. Now, look at this year. Because here's the thing, they ducked Oregon last year and they ducked Washington last year. Two incredibly good teams. They got them on the schedule this year. Uh, USC schedule takes a massive, massive jump up in quality. Uh, and you'll see it on that back end. So let me rattle off a couple, a couple, couple, couple games for you here. They have to play at Notre Dame, you, uh, Utah at home. At Cal is easy. We can ignore that one. Uh, Washington at home, at, at Oregon, at Autzen, and then UCLA. That is going to be a brutal gauntlet that, frankly, I don't think USC can go through unscathed. I think this is a team that does not uh, make the playoff. I don't think they have really the guts to do that. Um, I don't think they have the character or like the makeup to do that. Um, Lincoln Riley teams... And specific and Caleb Williams as a whole don't do well on the road. And I think South Bend's going to be tricky. I think Autzen's going to be tricky. And then uh, obviously having the two pretty difficult home games with Utah and Washington, um, that'll trip you up. So I, I just, I think the schedule is just, it, it, it it's a different level. And I don't, I, I think for a team that we saw, you know, skate by and win games close uh, so many times, uh, I just don't see them, you know, going as unscathed as they did last year. Uh, 
with a way, way, diff- way different schedule, a way, a much more difficult schedule. Um, so yeah, I have, I have USC probably let's see they're they're over, a, uh, uh, over under 10. I'd shade under honestly on this one, just being frank. Yeah. I'm kind of with you. Like if you're going 10, I think with this schedule, especially that back half nine and three is more likely than 11 and one. And so, like, if you were going to go for what, like, it's probably, like, in my mind, it's going to be a push. Like, 10 and 2 seems about right for this team, like, regular season-wise. Like, even with that stretch, like, Notre Dame, Utah, Washington, Oregon, UCLA. So, like, five good teams. I bet they win at least three of those. So, but I could see, like, I could see them, like, also losing three as well. And I just feel like going four and one in that stretch is not as likely. So, I'm on the under two, Bobby. I just think it's just when you don't have a defense that you could rely on, like, there's enough packed, like, there's enough offensive firepower in the Pac 12 this year that it doesn't matter that they have Caleb Williams and other, like, these other teams have just as good of offenses. So if they could show any defensive prowess, like on the other side, USC screwed. Ty, final thoughts on the Trojans? Yeah, I like I like the over, but maybe I haven't dug into it as, as much as y'all, but I just think, I don't know. I mean, ultimately, it still reads to me as the 2021 OU team and, and Lincoln Riley at USC and at OU. Uh, for all of his faults, was statistically really, really good at clinching those close games that, that come down to the wire. Um, so I like USC, so I think they're going to bring an improved team from last year, and I think you know there's some preseason chatter that some of these other teams that we're about to dive into are going to bring much improved teams from last year, but I don't know. I still like the Trojans over 10 wins. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think 10 is a solid number for them. I just, I think this is going to be a much rockier ride than people expect, but, um, all right, uh, Blake, I want to ask, so we talked about the Trojans a lot. Who do you think, and we've talked about how the big 12 or uh, pack 12 is just flush with talent, really good teams. Which team do you think, uh, pushes USC the most and potentially wins the pack 12 title? I'm all in on Washington. I think Washington is one of those under-the-radar teams that people, like, although they played in an Alamo Bowl, did great there. People just don't, like, not as much on the national radar. But this team didn't make the Pac-12 tournament last or, like, the Pac-12 championship last year because of tiebreakers. Like, it was that close for them making their, like, making it there. And they return all those key difference makers. Like, when I look at USC, I think of elite offense, bad defense, Washington last year had that similar makeup, but I think their potential on defense is higher. They have Michael Penix Jr., our man, the Penix man, coming back for his final season. And if this guy can stay healthy, he looked elite. Like this Washington team, like usually known for anemic offenses, they were slinging the ball. Like they were explosive, fun to watch. They bring back their top two receivers who like probably rival, like I think the only other receiver room probably that beats them is Ohio State. Like that's how high I am on Washington. Bring in some good rushers, have a good O-line. And Washington's defense traditionally is really good. They slumped last year, but if that could take a step up, it's like I've just seen this team as USC upgraded where my competitors are Utah and uh Oregon that are coming up below like below them not as high on Oregon I think like Bo Nix great quarterback 
but he's just not as uh, elite as an offense and still a bad defense. And then when it comes to Utah, it's like Utah is going to give what Utah is, but I'm a little concerned about Cam Rising coming back so quickly on the ACL tear, especially since he's like a very mobile quarterback and like kind of his physicality and power run game is like what differentiates Utah. Like they have some depth there, but I just feel on the high end ceiling wise, I'm like loving you, uh, Washington this year. Like I just think that offense is fantastic. And if they could just get the defense together just a little bit, like we're talking Pac 12 champion, uh, champion, and if they can hold it together through their schedule, maybe college football playoff. Wow. A lot of praise for Washington. Ty, I know in our uh, kind of pre show chat uh, that you're maybe not as high on uh, Michael Pettix Jr. as Blake is. Uh, who do you like outside of USC to challenge for the Pac-12? For no, I, yeah. So I am. I'm also high at Washington. Was my number two. Uh, returning really big receivers, returning a lot of coaching staff. That's key in, in building something. I'm not low on Michael Penix. I just don't think anyone should use his name and Heisman contender in the same sentence. I don't think that's realistic whatsoever. Even if I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, late. Coming off of years, years of saying that Anthony Richardson should win the Heisman. Blake is going to jump on the Phoenix <laughs> train now. So let's just keep this in context. I'm sure he'll throw Bo Nix in there as well. So, but um, yeah, I, I like Washington. The only thing that scares me about Washington and to dive into sort of obviously our favorite segment, just going, breaking down their schedule. I think that even if they are good at nine and a half win total for them to win 10 games, I'm not so sure they've got a pretty neat schedule. I mean, they play Boise. Uh, they open up with Boise. They play Tulsa, uh, but then they go to Michigan state, Michigan state, probably not as good of a team as Washington this year, but you're talking about week three of the season, having to fly all the way out there to a big 10 opponent. That's pretty significant. But I just don't see where they're going to like easily have 10 wins. They go to Cal, that's a win. Arizona, that's probably going to win. But then Oregon, you know, possibly, but that's a big rivalry. Who knows? Arizona State, that'll be a win. Stanford, that'll be a win. But then they just roll into sort of a gauntlet of USC and then Utah right after each other. And then they got to play the Spooky Beeves in late November. And then they got to play Washington State, obviously, probably not going to be super significant. I think they have great championship potential. I think they do have dark horse playoff potential because they're there. And if they can run through, I mean, if they go undefeated through this schedule, not exactly the most impressive schedule in college football, but I think that's pretty deserving of a very serious discussion about, I mean, if they go undefeated through the schedule and win the Pac-12, I think they should be in the, in the, the playoff. I think any team in this Pac-12, you know, Washington or USC, if they can rip through undefeated and win their conference, then yeah, they should be in until proven that they shouldn't be. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, th this Washington team, I could be all in after week three and completely eating my words. I'm just a little apprehensive because we just haven't seen it from them before. We've seen little sparks, but it, it's very hard for me to get that complete buy-in to something when you're making that argument over oh, turning people, returning people, which is great. You know, they they're building, they're growing, but that also means, Hey, I saw these same people last year. And a lot of the PAC 12 is returning a lot of people this year. It's, it's a very top heavy conference right now, especially for the top teams. And I just feel like I know where this Washington team 
slates in with everyone else. And I don't know if it's worthy of the hype that it's getting could be completely wrong. I'm, I'm hoping that I am wrong. And I, yeah, I, I get that in Washington. Like that is a weird team, man. Like they, they were weird last year. It, I, I remember making our graphics for the YouTube video and typing in 11 and two. And I'm like, what Washington won 11 games. And, you know, looking back at their schedule, falling to UCLA on the road and then Arizona state of all pe- of all teams, uh, and then ripping off like just an incredible run. Um, what happened? Like that is it, it just truly wild. Um, I like them. I, I, I do like them a lot. Um, I think their schedule is way trickier than it was last year. I, I felt like they yeah. actually got a pretty soft one, uh, home games when they needed them. Uh, obviously Autzen was tough. Um, but this year, man, um, at USC at Oregon state, you know, and we, we, we talk about the spooky beeves a lot, but, and, and I'll get to him. Cause I kind of like, if we're talking about dark horses, Oh God, no, Bobby, I'm a spooky beeves originator, <laughs> but go but, ahead. Hey, I'm just saying maybe, maybe DJ, you needed a different spot. Maybe, maybe just needed to go to Corvallis. Um, I Washington, I think is fun. I just don't, I don't, I don't think they do it this year. I don't know. I, I think the schedule is just a little bit too tricky. Um, let's, let's dive a little bit deeper into, but I, I will say, I will say before we dive deeper into Oregon, any team that runs the table in the Pac-12 deserves it. The problem is nobody yeah. does because they always cannibalize each other. It happens every single year. And uh, I think this year is going to be the same case. I don't see anyone making the, uh, yeah. And I think even 11 to one, like I'm, I'm yeah. perfectly fine saying that. I'd agree. I'd agree. Depending on the situation. Um, I want to dive a little bit deeper into Oregon. Cause I think, I think it's like Washington, like one, a Oregon one B in terms of, you know, who is kind of who, who, who is up there in the pack 12. Um, the ducks bring back Bonex. They have an interesting non-conference schedule going to Lubbock, which is wild. I don't know why they scheduled that. Um, and then you get just pelted with road games pretty much uh, at Washington, at Utah. You host USC, but it's still USC. And then you get the uh, artist, full, uh, the, the rivalry formerly known as the Civil War against uh, Oregon State. Blake, how are you feeling about uh, Oregon this year? They're kind of like, that's... That's the problem. I feel pro. I probably feel like if you take the four big teams, so your USC, Utah, Washington, Oregon, I probably feel the worst about them. And that's like really weird to say because I think this Oregon team is still really good. It's like Bo Nix is the perfect example of like just needed a change in scenery, like probably a little less talent or a lot less talent on the defensive end when it comes to the Pac-12 versus the SEC. But it kind of like leans into his uh, traits because Bo Nix was always the guy looking for the explosive play, whether you like it or not, shucking it downfield, trying to do something. And that's what he brought to Oregon last year. It's like you finally saw an explosive Oregon offense for the first time. And it feels like forever. And it's because Bo Nix was just a gunslinger. And whenever he went out, you saw that difference with the offense. It was like Bo Nix is kind of what is running this. And so I can't be a Bo Nix hater anymore. Uh, but the things that scare me, so offensive line was a big one. They had one of the best offensive lines last year. A lot of loss of production on that side of the ball. 
Um, offensive line to me is just like such an important position. One that you like, if you're strong on both on both lines, offense, defense, you're going to do great. But a lot of mysteries there, so that scares me a little bit. And we're honestly we're having to split hairs between these four teams because I think they're that closely packed with one another. So it's like that dings them for me. And then Dan Lanning's defense just hasn't like. I think it's easier to coach an org or sorry, a Georgia defense. Whenever you have the top defensive players that can do whatever you want, your schemes look magnificent because they're the most insane athletes that can do things where you go to Oregon right now. And they just don't have the talent on that side of the ball. Like they're very poor on the defensive side of the ball. Sure. They might get better. Like I think just they were that bad last year. They have to get better. It's just, like, I'm looking at a lot of teams at this top tier besides Utah, like those three, USC, Washington, and Oregon. Great offenses, not as good defenses. I just don't feel the best in their defense. They're probably second of the three and probably third of the three for offense. So splitting the hairs, I got to go. I just don't feel as good about them this year. But that doesn't mean they're not a great team because I think they're a really good team. Fair enough. Ty, your thoughts on your duckies? Yeah, look, I love Oregon, but I feel like if this, if you were just looking at this team and what they were projected to do, I think if you could somehow strip away the University of Oregon branding, like if you could just look at this objectively without going, oh, it's Oregon, I think the expectations would be not much lower, but I think they were, the expectations would be lower. And I almost think it's the inverse of my Washington argument. Not that Washington isn't a good football school or something, but I just don't necessarily expect what I think other people expect just because it's Washington. I'll just embrace this sort of, you know, past performance or, or whatever you want to call it, blue blood meter um, bias or, or whatever it could be called. But it, I think Oregon gets a little bump every year just because they're Oregon. And I just don't, I think sloppy comes to mind. Sometimes it just feels like they have potential to build something. I think they have a lot of tools there. But I think if you're looking at this Oregon program, really building something and building where they think they should be and where they want to be in college football, I don't think it's this team that they have currently. I think this is just sort of a continuation of of last year. I, I don't know. I mean, they certainly have a much easier schedule, I think, a little bit when you look at stuff. But, you know, having to go to Texas Tech week two, of the season, that's a pretty significant uh, move, especially with Tech's expectations coming into the coming into the season. I just don't, I don't really know what Oregon gets out of that home at home. Um, honestly, I don't know. Maybe they get reps playing against a future Big Twelve opponent. And they get to to practice going down to going down to Texas. But yeah, I just, I don't know. I think they have a little bit easier. I think it's spread out a little bit better for them. You know, at least they get to play Cal in between Utah and, and USC. And then they get to play Arizona state in between USC and then having to face the, the spooky beeves. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think I will go with probably the under on this Oregon team. Once again, I want to be proven wrong. I mean, Oregon's one of the teams I'll be rooting for throughout the season, but I just don't know. Um, yeah. I don't know if they have it in them necessarily to compete for the pack. I think anything's possible, but I, I would not be betting on them to to make it to the the pack game. Yeah, I, I like the under here. I mean, they won they won nine uh, regular season games last year on 
outside of Georgia, an easier schedule. Um, it amps up for him in the pack here. I will say, if I wanted to, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tee up and shoot my shot right now. Oregon beats USC at home in Austin. That just feels like a game that they win. Um, but at Utah, yeah. at Washington, I just I just think there are too many pit pitfalls for them throughout the regular season to make the Pac-12 title. Uh, I could be wrong, but we'll see how that goes. Um, so, do we want to talk about? Um, yeah, I had. I had one thing yeah. real quick, Bobby, before you bring this next thing up. You, you reminded me of something I wanted to mention, and I forgot. You talked about believing that Oregon could beat USC or would beat USC in that game, and then I thought about it a second ago when you all were talking about how the Pac-12 just always cannibalizes. The The Pac-12 issue is that they always – but a lot of conferences will have this sort of you know, top-heavy, the top teams are sort of knocking each other. I mean, how many times have we had the SEC discussion of – if this team loses to this team, but then makes it to the championship. And then, you know, how many times has, has that actually played out in the, S- in the SEC, you know, where a team, they lose to someone in the regular season, then they beat them in the championship and then they're both in the playoffs or whatever. The pack issue is they have the same cannibalization that the SEC has, that the big 12 has, that the big 10 has, but for some reason, and I don't even think it's top to bottom, top to bottom competitiveness, but for some reason in the pack, all of the teams are also getting cannibalized by just garbage teams. Like Stanford will go have like two ridiculous upsets against two different people. Like the pack is the only conference where it's simultaneously so imbalanced sometimes like the spread between Stanford and USC is insane. But at the same time, there's going to be some sort of crazy scenario where Stanford has beaten two teams that both beat USC or something like that. And then USC lost to Cal or something absurd. And then the pack never makes it, even though like people will be like, Oh, well, Bama has a loss to Georgia and a loss to LSU, but they've blown everyone else out. But then the same USC will have a loss to someone good. And then a loss to just someone inexplicable. And it's like top to bottom in the pack. For some reason, they always cannibalize even with the garbage teams does not make sense, but I just had to give that little spill because if you go look at all the past results, it almost always plays out that way. It's crazy. Well, it's it's always like Oregon goes to Arizona or Arizona State and loses. That, that, yep. they're, 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 on a, they're on a march to a national title, but then they have to go to Arizona and immediately die. It happens every time. It's like, and then I feel like Stanford's US, like the Thorn and USC side, like yep. granted Stanford used to be better, but it's just like, it's so funny. You don't see many offers in this conference. Like even when teams are really bad, somehow they like will rally, I guess. I don't know if it's a mindset thing, but the, like they'll rally one weekend and like put the game of a lifetime. That's why it's probably always worth to have season tickets in the Pac-12 because you're your sucky team, if you're one of the sucky ones, is probably going to upset somebody major every single year. That like, But the thing is, it's like they upset them, but then nobody talks about them. It's just like kind of like at the bottom of the ESPN headline the next day. It's like, oh, by the way, like this happened at 12, like midnight last night. Uh, uh, Arizona beat Oregon. And like you just <laughs> hear about it again. And you just like, it, you're so used to it that you're not like, what? How could Oregon on this path? You're just like, ah, oh, kind of makes sense. And you just like move on. It's just like, expected. It's expected. It's like, ah, oh, there it is. That's when it happens. It's it's always the yeah, just the dumbest team. No one expects it. You're like, oh, well, okay. I guess the Pac 12's eliminated in October. Uh <laughs> that's just how that's just how this conference works. And uh, you know what? I will miss it. I will miss it a little bit for oh my gosh. 
crazy weird crap that happens. I hate them so much, but kind of like just going through these teams, I'm just like. I, like, miss these, like, I love the late-night time slate. It's, like, usually only a few games on, usually interesting games with this conference. Like, granted, they're not putting out powerhouses, but that's not really the barometer to me. Like, I think there are significantly more fun conferences than the Big Ten because I think the Big Ten is the same blueprint every single year. And this is kind of one of those conferences. It's, like, you can tune on a game, you could be watching the end of another game and be, like, in the third quarter, like Washington is losing to Colorado right now. And you're like, what the heck? Like Washington's supposed to be good. <laughs> I'm going to miss that. Like it's, it's yeah. going to be something it's like in a way I'm like glad to poach them because of how arrogant and pricky their fans are. And I know we're about to talk to a fan base, which surprisingly has the biggest pricks in the pac 12, something I did not think about going <laughs> through this whole realignment process out of, and they're not from the state of California, but yeah, I'm going to miss this conference. It's so much fun. I think like that's, the enticing thing about the new big 12 is like, we're not going to produce. Like, I think there's been this big narrative out there. I know Bud Elliott uh, from the cover three podcast was putting it out. It's like the ACC has national championship contenders, whereas the big 12 doesn't really have one like presently trying to chase it every single year. And I'm like, okay, fair. But I think the big 12 is going to put out a better football product. That's more fun. It's like people will, if you have a conference where it's not super top heavy and everybody's fighting for a conference championship, that's so intriguing at the end of the year. Like that is so much fun wherever like people are chasing down for it. That's what happened in the PAC 12 last year. That's what typically like I think will happen in the big 12 come the new realignment where you don't see like that dominant superpower at the top. So yeah, I'm going to miss this, but like, if you like Pac-12 football, like you're going to love Big 12 football coming up because it's about to be kind of a similar thing. Yeah, because like in the pack, you'd always have like a weird Apple Cup or like, you know, a, a art or a rivalry formerly known as the Civil War where, you know, somebody's cruising to a like a BCS Bowl or, a you know, a New York Six Bowl. And then they just get derailed by their rival randomly. There was that awesome Washington State UCLA game with the insane comeback. It's just the best. Weird stuff happens in the Pac-12, and I, I, I'm going to miss it, but I'm going to enjoy uh, the remainder of this. Um, all right, so do we want to just go straight to the crumbs, or do we want to kind of shotgun through some of these other teams? Because we haven't. We got to do about Utah. We yeah, we got to talk Utah. Like I know they're not like maybe on the top of our boards, but they're 100 in contention. Right. They've won the Pac-12 the last two years. We we got to give. We got to give some nods to the two-time defending Pac-12 champ, the Utah Utes. Uh, Ten and four last season, eight and six against the spread, and their win total set at uh, eight and a half. Um, Cam Rising is returning, but uh, star tight end Dalton Kincaid uh, gone to the NFL. Uh, unfortunately, for Blake's sake, uh, not to the Cowboys because I know you really wanted him. But um, yeah, uh, Ty, I'll let you kick kick this one off. Uh, if you don't mind your thoughts on the Utes, we've kind of brushed on them a bit um kind of more on the over under side or sorry the win total side what do you think yeah i i don't um i don't have a whole ton of i will say with utah again just fundamental team they've just tried to build a do simple things pretty well program you know not on a lot of not on a lot of gimmicks not on a lot of you know individuals having to to carry the team on their own so i i like what they've done and in that sort of respect I, really my only unique note on utah before i let blake take it away because i know he has some just personal attacks to levy at the utah fan base but uh, utah i think we're going to get a really really good idea of who they are rolling into the pac-12 i mean they open up 
this month, actually, in, uh, in 29 days, they open up against Florida, uh, capping off that home-and-home that they started, obviously, last season with the Gators. And then they also go down to Waco on September 9th to play Baylor. So really exciting. I, I love those matchups in terms of, of scheduling out-of-conference games. Um, I think you have to assume, based on how far out those are scheduled, that they were expecting Florida maybe to be a little bit better. Uh, but yeah, cool brands. And I think we'll get a really good picture of this Utah team. I think that Baylor game specifically is going to be a really good barometer of, of what this Utah team can do because they're having to travel uh, a decent amount to get to Waco, obviously. And then uh, I think the Baylor Bears are going to present a, a pretty solid team. I, I don't really just know much off about Florida off the top of my head. I would assume that Florida is also going to be a pretty solid team just based on the brand. But I know they've been down these these past couple of years, but yeah, I'm excited to see what this Utah team brings. But I think that if you're looking at maybe picking who's going to be in the PAC championship game week two of the season before a PAC 12 game has even been played, you might be able to cross the Utah Utes off your list of potential teams going into that PAC game. Cause you're going to get a really good picture of who they actually are. Utah has a schedule from hell. And also they have the ability to make like, life so difficult in the Pac-12 if they lose, if they somehow lost to Florida and Baylor and then ran the table or uh, had a three, like we're a three loss team. Like they kind of were it's last year. Just <laughs> one. Yeah. If they could just yeah. upset. I mean, even, you know, I think even a scenario where they lose to USC, but say USC loses freak game to that, the Oregon game, like you said, Bobby, Imagine a situation where Utah loses to Florida, loses to Baylor, and then just kind of stumbles through everyone else, but they're kind of a two-loss team. And then they lose to USC, but they make USC look bad. And then USC is going up in front of the committee with, say, a couple wins against Washington to get the Pac-12, but they've lost to Oregon. And then they barely, maybe an overtime sloppy game, beat a Utah team that was embarrassed by both Florida and, and Baylor. I think you make it very difficult for USC, even with the massive brand and, and everything else to get into the playoffs, depending on other people. So yeah, Utah ultimate spoiler maker in this conference, I think. Yeah. I think that, I think they definitely have the makings for that. Uh, Blake, I know you want to tee off on, I want actually, I'll let you decide this. Do you want to tee off on uh, the Utah pig bus uh, Twitter account first? Or do you want to uh, talk about the Ute schedule? Or do you want to do, you can do both, but uh, which order are you going to do it? Because the pig bus, why why is Utah so arrogant? It makes no sense. It makes no sense. Like, I'll, I'll tee off about their fans. So when I think about the Pac-12 teams that I would actually want to join, if you put them in a vacuum, take their fan bases out, uh, which ones do I want to join the Big 12? Utah is honestly at one of the top of my list. I think it's at a cool location like Salt Lake City. I think they're – I like how Whittingham as a coach. I think he reminds me a lot of Gary Patterson when you think of he's going to get consistent results out of a team every single year regardless if they have people getting drafted, leaving, yada, yada, yada. He gets good offensive line play, good defensive line play every single year, a super physical team. I love that. Like that is incredible. And like to throw on top of all that, they schedule so well. I think they, I love teams that just go for it in the non-conference and are just like, screw it. Like let's play like heavy hitters like Baylor and Florida. 
two heavy hitters for non-conference, like a non-conference schedule. When you like consider, like look at other non-conference schedules across the, like the field anymore, like they're so bad. And like, that's what I hope eventually gets addressed in the future where it like feels like there's three games on the schedule where they're just like breezes and it's really nobody challenging uh, one another. But I love all that about Utah. And then you meet their fans, and their fans are horrible. They are kind of like the originators of the truck stop conference. You would think that would be somebody from a Stanford, a Berkeley, uh, maybe a Seattle, maybe even an Arizona, you know, like out of the desert, enjoying yes, something yeah. like that, the nicer desert. It's Utah. It's Utah, the one that's pandering it, and they need it the most right now. They need the Big 12 more than anybody else because they're kind of the top program that is not the, like, number one choice for the Big 12 or the Big 10 to get. It's like the Big 10's looking for Oregon. They're looking for Washington. If they're going to add two right now, the Big 12 is going to look for Arizona, and then if they have to package with Arizona State to get them, like, Brett Yormark has made it very clear he wants a basketball conference. Like, that is one of his, like, big, big things. And it's like, Utah is about to get left in the dust, and they're just fine with that. I don't get it. I don't get their fan base. But I think this team, like, their their fan base, the pig bus. If you want to see some old tweets exposed, just look up. It's like the Utah pig bus or something. He's had some horrible tweets about, like, going from trashing the big 12 to like begging to be like begging to be in there and like <laughs> like not that bad this week and then like then today whenever the news came out proceeds to trash them again kind of seeing the writing on the walls but i like this utah team a lot like they could easily be in this contention they're probably my third team in that like top four but like they're super physical they play a different style of ball i love the uh uh oh what's his name oh uh brent keithy the new tight end, or he's not new. He got injured at the beginning of the last season, and the coaches love him. He's going to be just as good as Dalton Kincaid, I think. They just play a different style of ball, and I love featuring the tight end in college football. It doesn't happen that much, like, all too often. Uh, really, Georgia's the only other team, and, like, Utah kind of feels like Georgia of the West in the sense that, like, they just build They build that good offensive line. They play that slower style on the, or, like, on the offense – great defense each year the problem is they come out slow so they always schedule well at the beginning of the year but they come out slow and that's how we saw a loss to florida last year florida baylor i think one of them kind of takes them down and that's why you get their like kind of they're always at nine and three i feel like at the end of the years because they'll lose a game or two in conference but then they schedule hard in the non-conference and just can't make it like get it done yeah i i i Obviously, last year was kind of their their year to do it, and they blew it. Um, and I don't think they'll be at that status. I I love the under this year uh, with Utah. I just think they have too their schedule is too difficult. It's it's a bloodbath, man. At USC, at Washington, uh, at Baylor, at Oregon State, and then Florida. I just I, I I'm kind of out on the Utes uh, in terms of a, uh, in, in terms of an over, but. Um, no, I, I, I think uh, I agree with you, Ty. I think uh, they definitely kind of are a bit of a spoiler maker, uh, to say the least. But, um, yeah, so I'm trying to think here because we, we're kind of getting into the crumbs. And, Ty, I want to I ask you, mm-hmm. of the remaining teams in the Pac-12, who do you like uh, in terms of – are there any overs you like that uh, we have not talked about yet? 
Yeah, so if we can pull up the the whole list. I, really, when I look at it, I just overs. I think are hard. I I don't know. I've been back and forth as uh, as we go through. I, I know I told you I'd done some research before. I just, like we talked about, the Pac-12 is just one of those conferences where it seems like, we might be wrong if you actually break down the evidence, it seems like just the overs are very rare just because of the way that they will always cannibalize each other. I personally, this is going to be a little rough. I don't, I mean, very famously, you know, we're all on fading Colorado this year, I think they're going to be greatly improved from last year, but I, I, I don't. Take I want to, tie, you know, you want to. I, I want them to do well so badly. I've been on the Colorado train since before, you know, Coach Prime and everything else. I just don't see. There's just a general vibe about what's going on here that. It's so firefest like it's so like you know Martin Screlly Pharma Company. It's so like it's just so obviously not going to end well from my point of view. I don't I think I might be the you know the one person saying this right now in college football, but I just don't see how this doesn't end in a spectacular failure in a massive blow-ups and arguments and lawsuits and everything else. And I'm not even saying that because of like any one individual person. Like it's, I'm not saying it's because of prime it's equally or more because of like the university just trying to do this like explosion and just way too much hype. I don't know. This is a very long winded way of saying that I don't have any more overs, but when we get into unders uh, and I'll let you guys talk about your overs, but when we get into unders uh, it is, it is hating time on not just Colorado, but a lot of teams in the past. We could go into proper Hayden mode. If you want to, if you want to start with a Hayden, we can, we could go. I, with the I think, I think this is a good, Blake just got back. Let's, I'm sure he has some That's overs. Fair. He's big into the betting. I'm sure you might have an over two. We can end on, on Hayden on not just Colorado, but just hater time at the end. Always fun to end on hating. We started with hating. Uh, so we'll, we'll sandwich it. Let's talk some positive, some, some optimism though. Uh, Blake, What's a team you uh, that we have not talked about uh, that we have not talked about that you like as the over here? I'm really big, so UCLA over eight and a half. Like I might even sprinkle a little bit for them to win the Pac-12. Like I think I could maybe have a good hedge opportunity just because, like I think Chip Kelly is slowly building this team up, and DTR ended up being a really good quarterback for them, better passer. Uh, like towards the end of his career, incredible runner. But UCLA is loaded at quarterback. They had Ethan Garbers, who I thought was going to be a good quarterback that was going to take over uh, from DTR. But then they added Dante Moore, who is one of the top five recruits last year. So that's kind of like, I bet he doesn't start this year, but a great break, like break glass in case of emergency type of guy at the end. And then you bring in the guy like Colin Schley from the MAC conference, baby. He's a dual threat. I love, I love their quarterback depth. Uh, like, Obviously, they don't probably have a starter right now, but like they're they're the ultimate example of like just because they don't have a quarterback now, they have some extreme depth in like some really good options. I think the running game's still going to be good. Like I know you're going to miss Zach Charbonnet there, but they reloaded on running backs. I think they reloaded on receivers well with the mobile Jake Bobo uh, going away. 
the defense I think is only going to be rising a little bit more. Like they're, they're kind of, they have the pac 12 bug where the defense just isn't great, but it's just like, if they could hit on the quarterback position, somebody just slightly more elite than DTR and just like steadily improve what they have the last few seasons. Like they lose the random games. That's the problem. They lose like to the Arizona or somebody, but like their other two losses last year was USC, which was a close game. And then Oregon, like they have the potential to like maybe break into that top pack twelve echelon. Um, I see where you're getting that, but here's my thing: I have US- UCLA as an under, uh, because of well, here's my thing: I have three games where they lose. You at Utah, I think they lose that. I think they lose at Oregon State. I think they u- lose at USC, and then in the non-conference, I think they lose at San Diego State. They go into the no, court. Bobby. That's a bad take. You have like you have obviously not looked at any <laughs> like sort of Mountain West research, like possible. Like at best this year, San Diego City University is a mid-table, a mid-level like Mountain West team. Like they're bad this year, Bobby. Do it, they're do bad. It, do you want to bet a Malord on it? Yes. Yep. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Cool. We'll, we'll do it. I, I think San Diego State. Let's let's say San Diego State covers the spread. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I think San Diego okay. State is going to be absolute garbage this year. SDSU so covers the spread. They defend Snapdragon Stadium. I think they win and beat UCLA. On the, like no, UCLA no, no. always <laughs> has one dumb, dumb boneheaded loss. I could just see them rolling in there and losing. I don't know. I'll why. do a ten. T- I'll like... do a ten times multiplier with a loss. Like that's how confident I am in this. Okay. Like this is. We'll, we'll, we can put the ten times multiplier on it. Like. One for covering the spread, but ten for a loss, and I'm no, fine I, with that. Like, I feel this. I feel this bet in my plums. I feel great about this. San no, Diego. Ten, okay, I will say I, I don't want to back Blake out of this, but Bobby has to have some sort of punishment for no. This can't no, be I, Bobby no, zero. No, 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 no. My punishment Blake is having the Lord. Yeah, Ballard. Okay, so you're also yeah. on the Lord. Yeah, okay. he's yeah, on the win. Lo- loser I thought this was Bobby zero risk. <laughs> if anything happens negative for Blake, he has to Lord. It doesn't even matter. I'm willing to make that bet 10, 10 times out of 10 just to make you, like, look foolish and show that you don't know ball because, like, this is just an obvious case. You see the brand on the helmet. You know they're, like, you're, you know they're few seasons ahead what their record is. I wouldn't say success because success at the G5 level, like a TCU back in the day, is you're making the Rose Bowls. You're winning the big ones. San Diego City still hasn't done that. They think of themselves in that echelon, but, like, man, they haven't played in the big bowl games yet. So, I, yeah, I feel so confident about this one. Sure. Just get easy. Yep, Bobby. I, I know you, there, there's another bet involving San Diego State you felt confident in the past, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. I just, I have a weird feeling, man. Are we rolling into unders? So I, I just I just had to bring that up while we okay. were talking about it because <laughs> I just had to. <laughs> um, let, let me talk about an over I love though. I'm gonna do it, Blake. And I know you're mad. I, I know I know you're a big spooky beaver guy, but looking at this freaking schedule, I love Oregon State over eight and a half. I, I know they've lost a, like some returning starters. But you bring in DJU, who I who I actually think isn't that bad. He's single-handedly especially, especially considering he single-handedly consider- took Clemson from a unbeatable <laughs> by anyone but Bama I dynasty. To, I didn't interrupt anyone. He is not good. Right, he's, he's not, not good. good. Bobby. 
Explain. He's not not Clemson good, but I think he's like if Dak Prescott wore orange. I think I look what Oregon State did last year with two bums is impressive. Now they have one less bum. Yeah, they have one less bum. He transferred to TCU. (laughs) So when he gets injured, you're left with scraps. I'm just saying. I I think. I think. I think DJU can get this shit, this this thing together here with a pretty light schedule. Yeah, they they are insanely good at home. They have one home loss in the past two seasons. It was USC. They lost by four. Uh, so here's who they have. They they have at San Jose State. That's a win. UC Davis win. San Diego State at home win. At Washington State, they're horrible. That's a win. I think. I think they can pull off Utah at home. No, 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 no. I Utah doesn't. I, I until I see other tight end and all that. We'll, we'll, we'll DJ get into U that. hasn't seen a slice of physicality in his life in the ACC, and yet was still struggling and coming to the Pac-12 versus a Utah team that just pushes and bullies people around. You think that Oregon State, out of all teams, is going to be the one to protect him? Buddy, this is Jesus, Oregon. Bobby. This is Oregon State at home. It's it's different. They're, they're in the dam. They're in the beaver pit. They're yeah, you fine. know why they were so good at home the last few seasons, Bobby? Because they were protected by the fact they're in the Pac-12 North, which is just such a bummy, was such a bummy division when Washington wasn't good and their main rival is a rivalry game still, so you could, you're still hot on them. So they really had no competition in the Pac-12 North. Right, but my thing is, like, here's, here's the thing, too. They don't have to play USC. They... They get Washington at home. I think they lose the artist formerly known as the Civil War. But I think this is like, I think this is like a, like a two loss Oregon State team. Like I'm pretty, I'm pretty big on them. No, no. I think they're really, I will give this because I am a spooky beaver fan. I love how fundamentally sound they are. They're going to win every game. Like they're kind of the different Pac-12 team, especially last year, where it's like they're not fumbling the bag versus your Arizona, your Arizona State, your Washington State when you're significantly better, but they just don't beat the elite teams. It's like last year, didn't beat Utah, didn't beat USC. The year before, it's like you're not beating Oregon. Oh, God, they lost to some bad teams that year. No, I'm so out. No, Bobby, you're just – this is just a bad take. This is a bad take. I'm sorry. Jonathan Smith has things rolling. Don, Jonathan Smith has things rolling over here. Um, <laughs> it, Jonathan Smith sounds like an auto-generated, like NCAA, like fourteen coach name. It does, it's, but I, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, they're going to be fine. I think they'll be, I think they'll be pretty good this year. I think this is like a two-loss Oregon team. Oregon I, team. I gotta say, Bobby, I'm not. To be clear, I'm not necessarily against you on this take. I don't have a feeling towards or against this take, but the evidence that you presented to support your take has me thinking that this is a terrible take. When you said that they're going to be great because DJU, you kind of lost me. DJU is better than Ben Goldbranson and Chase Norris. Are we sure? Are we sure? Like, I'm getting... Why? What about that Clemson tenure? Like he has everything, like every at, weapon has at disposal. Notre Dame. 
at Notre Dame, his performance was great. Yeah, the first time he played, and right. ever since then, we haven't seen like a He's shred been of okay, that. Okay, but he doesn't lose ball games. I, I think know, he'll be okay. Bobby, you know who shredded in his first game that didn't end up living to the hype? Kenny Trill. He is Kenny Trill. He came out, fired <laughs> off that first game, and Kenny then just becomes Trill. a below average quarterback that sh- like flashes like hopes of like glimmer of yeah. hope at times, but then ultimately just destroys you. Well, I'll say this too. How many players in the Pac-12 have appeared in uh, Fansville? Zero. DJU showed up in Fansville. <laughs> One of the seasons, I'm pretty sure. Jeez, that quarterback class is so bad. It's so weird. bad. Like, Spence, but, yeah, Spence is, Spence I just have a right. weird feeling that this Oregon State team might be pretty good. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Okay, I have a real quick sneaky over before we roll into the unders. This one, I think, I, I do have, right, it's a homer take. Spoiler, it's Arizona State, right? But hear me out. This is not a vote of confidence for this Arizona State team. What you do need to know is that the over-under is five, and Arizona State plays eight home games. That doesn't mean that they're all easy, right? But when they go away, they have to play Utah. They have to play UCLA. You know, they have to play Washington. But one of their away games is Cal. And I look at their schedule. Southern Utah, I think they win that one, hopefully. Hear me out, right? This Arizona State team could legitimately not win a game next year. But I think they beat Southern Utah. Then they got to play Oklahoma State. I think they lose that one. But I think ultimately, like, we're playing, can they win six games? I think losing to Oklahoma State week two helps them because, hey, you play a tough opponent right then, get it out of your system. Fresno State, I'll say they win against Fresno State in Tempe. They play USC. They're going to lose to USC. They beat Cal. They're going to beat Colorado. Everyone's going to beat Colorado. Colorado's going to beat TCU to open the season, and then they're going to lose to everyone else. It is determined. They're going to lose to Washington. Washington State, bad, bad, and they have to travel like 20 hours to get to Tempe. I like Arizona State in that one. Utah, UCLA, I think they probably lose both of those, but you never know, right? That's that's right for UCLA to come off a hot win and then lose at home against a terrible Arizona State team. Oregon has to come to Arizona State. I think they probably lose that one, but again, Pac-12 cannibalization. And then I think they probably beat Arizona. I think realistically Arizona State can get six wins out of this, especially staying in Tempe most of the season. So I'm going to be... I'm going to give a sneaky recommendation to maybe give that Arizona State over another look over if you're someone that's looking to put some gambling down. I like Kenny Dillingham, the new uh, head coach there. The exodus kind of worries me, but overall I I could see them I could see them hitting 6 looking at that schedule. I really could. Like Yeah, I'm distracted. This is totally off topic. We are going so far off the rails. <laughs> Bobby, did you post a TikTok of TCU's record and say we lost to Houston? I think you lose to Houston on their own. You yeah. dummy! You <laughs> fool! You do not know ball! Like, you say things like <laughs> UCLA is going to lose to SDCU, and then you come on and say that TCU's going to lose to Houston? Like, not to spoil our Big 12 preview, Houston might be my, Houston's my gonna be bad. last team. They're going to be bad! You, Bobby, where's that ball knowledge? You have no ball knowledge. I have, no, here's the thing. 
No. What? First, Here's one thing. It's, it's, they're probably first, they're more likely first, to get their coach first fired than game. TCU loses. First Big 12 game, I think they find a way to get it done. Oh, my God. No. I'm telling you. I, I, Put another I think, shot I think, of Malort on that one. Was, well, it, no, no, no. We're not going to do that oh, one. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm going to make these bold Every team loses dumb games, Blake. Every team loses dumb games. You, the, the amount of times I saw Patterson's uh, TCU team lose to uh, We are Patterson's SMU. TCU. I know. You have one year with a bunch of, like, 24-year-old players. So we'll, we'll see how it we'll see how it all shakes out. I we literally had no twenty four year old players. We did not have that many super seniors, if at all. Okay, well, we'll Max we'll Duggan, Max Duggan could have come back for another year. We'll see how it shakes out. I'm just saying, like Quinn Johnson could have come back for another year. What the? the we'll get to this no ball three. anymore, we'll Todd. Bob, we'll get to this in week three. I just have a feeling, dumb game, dumb situation. But college football doesn't make sense all the time. I kind of think they. Okay, I kind of so. think Houston wins that one. Okay, we shall see. Are are the people all uh, all upset about this? Uh, the... I got a text about it, and I did not. I I could not believe. I like obviously can't listen to it right now, oh, but Tadeku I Stadium, cannot believe man. what Tadeku Stadium gets a little wild. So we'll see how it goes. They got them turkey legs. Uh, well, we'll get into this another time. But um, let's go with some unders. <laughs> We're running at one twenty mainly because we had a basically a 20 minute podcast on top of this about realignment. Um, like you like any unders? Yeah, I love one. I'm not, uh, I think this one's easy. It's heavily juiced on the under at three, but I'm still taking it. Stanford, Stanford under three. I think this team is atrocious and you're going to see what happens to these academically geared schools that will not allow transfers in and like basically have no NIL funds. What's going to happen to them in this new era? Uh, David Shaw is gone. David Shaw was a great coach. And then I think he got dealt a bad hand at the end there where like, once you have to start paying players, once your players, your good ones can transfer away to other schools, they're done. I see two, I see two wins on the schedule. I see Hawaii and Sacramento state. And I think they're legitimately the worst power five school in all, all the entire power five. And like, Sure, if they have one of those weird, wacky uh, Pac-12 games that we're talking about where they upset somebody that they have no business to, I'm still pushing. But there is no way this team wins four games. Like, there is no team. <laughs> there is no way. The Stanford team, they're so bad. They basically have to rely on recruiting, developing, and keeping. They're not recruiting well, and they're not keeping anybody well. So... They're just basically developing good players for a year that end up transferring. I'm so out on them. I don't know why the Big Ten would ever want them. Like, I would take, I would honestly take Utah or somebody. Like, at the end of the day, I think eyeballs on like good teams is going to win over. Nobody's eyeballs are on the Stanford team. Absolutely nobody. No, I don't care about the academic prowess or anything like that. I firmly think the Stanford I think that's a good one. I think, I think Stanford is, uh, Pretty bad, pretty bad. Ty, um, yeah. Speaking of speaking of Stanford's academic prowess, it must be mentioned that just this week their president was forced to step down because he was very academically credentialed. Until again this week, it was discovered that pretty much everything he had ever submitted to uh, peer-reviewed journals were just made up. <laughs> so sometimes you can look really good academically when you just make it up. Uh, but I guess nowadays they have a way to check that, which this 
uh, old gentleman did not foresee, I guess, the internet being a thing. Um, with all that being said, I, I think I have a lot of unders. I like, I mean, give me the Arizona under. Give me the cow, cow four and a half against who? I'm not even going to pull up their schedule. Who is Cal going to Cal's going to get six wins or five wins, I guess is how that works. I went to Oklahoma, so they wouldn't let me into the Pac-12. Uh, Colorado, again, like I talked about, slam that under. I, Colorado three wins just does not – I cannot wrap my head around it. I Maybe as a push, I could see Colorado having a really, really good season with a push. Stanford, again, I'll take the push. UCLA, I don't know. I kind of like the under on that one going against Bobby. And then, um, yeah, I, I don't know. But I really, I would take the Colorado under is is my main one. I could see him pushing. I could see him being okay, but I think okay for this Colorado squad is, I think really, really good for Colorado this year would be like five wins. So and I, maybe I'll and eat I feel my like words, but slam the under. You have to, I feel like you, you just auto bet have to, like go under just because so many people are betting the over right now you know vegas is juicing those numbers up just to accommodate for the fact like the risk that colorado actually ends up being a decent team you know like i just feel this team was atrocious last year like they were the worst power five team and like although they add some key pieces it's like key pieces uh, don't win you football games here's, like depth yeah and depth wins you football games like that's my <laughs> thing is i just don't I'm a big like team. I, maybe Coach Prime is building a team, but I just see him building a lot of like individual personalities. And then I just turn back to the fact that he's transferred in, you know, people from from Jackson State. And then I look at his like postseason record there, and I just don't see how that's going to translate to taking over a a terrible Power Five team and then having a Power Five schedule, even in the pack. I just don't. I don't. I. I think he could do it. I just don't know that he has in Colorado has the patience now with the hype that's that's built in. I I don't know. They have no like Shador Sanders, if he ever gets injured, they're screwed. He literally came to Colorado I, saying I don't my son is the he's... starting quarterback. And so every other quarterback that was in that room that yeah. has like any brain transferred to another school, even if you're a backup at the other school, you have a chance of playing. Like they like there was no quarterback competition there. Like if Shador Sanders goes down, like this team is not winning. I, I don't even know about I don't even know about him, to be honest. I saw some of those Jackson yeah, State games and it sure seems like it's not even a lot of nepotism. It was like a, a pay driver in F1 situation sometimes. <laughs> no, I I really do like Colorado under um, just because that number is probably inflated. Like you said, the depth of shot, you know, the whole let's just kick everybody off, off, you know, kick everybody off the team and try to get transfers in. The transfer portal didn't reward Dion the way he thought it would. Um, And yeah, you have a couple five stars. You have Travis Hunter. You have uh, Shadur Sanders, but yeah, it just it's not going to work. That's a easy under for me. Um, but the one I love from Ty is Cal. Cal is going to be atrocious this season. They've been atrocious for a while. Infinite money glitch, fade Cal every year. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> but, like they, for some reason, they are going at North Texas. They have to go to Apogee Stadium, which is genuinely hilarious. Um, a, a not Apogee anymore, big boy. Uh, that's right. Da TCU. They changed, they, they changed da it. TCU. <laughs> they changed it to Da TCU uh, Stadium. My apologies. Uh, yeah, they, so they have to go to Denton, Texas for some reason. Um, and look, 
North Texas ain't good. But also, we've seen them beat Arkansas. This is a different North Texas team. I can see them screwing up and losing that one. They shouldn't. Uh, they host Auburn, should beat Auburn, uh, or they should lose to Auburn. They should lose to Auburn. Um, hopefully they beat Idaho. But overall, like, their schedule is pretty hellish, man. That that Cal team is going to get smashed. I, I disagree. There's two things I like about this Cal team. One, they got the transfer of a lifetime, and my man, I... God, I wanted him to stay on our roster so bad because I wanted him to compete against Chandler Morris. But Sam Jackson from TCU, third stringer, came in versus Colorado, and my God, looked like Mike Vick out there. He was running all over the place. I love Sam Jackson. Sam Jackson is a great quarterback that could have an impact at Cal. And then you're also forgetting new offensive coordinator, Jake Spavital, former Head coach of the Boco Bobcats, I think the mojo is all in their favor this year. I'm back on Spav, of course. Back on Spav, baby. Spav gets a new job. I'm back on Spav. How many times has he burned the schooner pod specifically when it comes to I don't think I've ever been on the I've never been on the right side. Like I feel like y'all at least have your Boko moments. I've never been on the right side. No, I hit him I hit him one time when I like introduced him. It's an invasive like species. Like I introduced him to the pod and I hit on it just one time. (laughs) And it caught I've never hit on him ever again, I don't think. No one else has hit on them. I think it's his fault, honestly. Fair enough. Yeah, I I don't know about that one. But uh yeah. Um Blake, have we asked you your unders yet? Yeah, I went Stanford hard, that's hard true. on that's Stanford. True. Hard on Stanford, that's fair. Yeah, they're um, gonna be bad, bad. They're Northwestern might beat them now, but they they are like going into the season if you take out the coaching, like their roster's pitiful. That's fair. All right, folks, I think we've uh, pretty much exhausted our Pac twelve talk uh any final thoughts from uh blake uh or ty what do y'all think screw you pac 12 you got like you made your own bed in it yeah i don't my final thought hopefully i'll be able to report live on on some of these games a lot of big big schools are coming down the tempe this year so i'm, I'm trying to get to Maybe get us an in-person report on, on USC and Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams and maybe Oregon, maybe Oklahoma State. I'm not 100% on that one, but we'll get some we'll get some cool maybe in-person reports for some Arizona State games. Absolutely. Pretty perfect that Pac-12 tie is out on the desert now, so <laughs> love to see that. Uh, all right, folks, thank you all so much for listening. On behalf of me, Bowden Blake, and Ty, this has been The Weekend Spread. Looking forward to talking uh, more college football next week. I'm guessing we're talking the Big Ten. So uh, lots more football to come. We are officially in August. We have football games at the end of the month. Let's get this thing going, folks. Have a good one, everyone, and good luck out there.